Stop it. Stop it. You're going to make me cry. Okay, let's just stop. I am so thankful to be here with you today. I am. I'm thankful for this opportunity to just talk to you a little bit. Um, let me start with a story. There's a college student, probably around 20 or 21 years old, was doing some soul searching. He was wrestling with some self-doubts, some anxiety, some fears about the future, not, not certain about what he was going to do with his life. Sound kind of familiar? And uh, he was, uh, decided that he'd go on a month-long mission trip to Honduras, and he found himself serving there in a small community, small village, among people who were much poorer than he was economically. Most of them lived in small houses, some of them out of sod brick, just one, two, maybe three rooms, uh, outdoor bathroom facilities. Uh, uh, you know, they, much of their, uh, their diet had very little variety. Entertainment was limited to primarily what could be done without electricity. You, you get the picture. Yet as he worked and lived among these people, he kept seeing something in them. He kept noticing something in them that, that he couldn't find for himself. Well, one particular day that he, you know, finally had a day off from his labors, he, he decided he'd take that day and just take a walk, take a hike around the countryside, through the village, and, and just take his camera with him, take some pictures, and just think about all those things that have been bombarding his mind for the last few weeks, months. About midday, he's, he's getting a little hungry, he's finished off his nutrition bar long before that, and his bottle of water is pretty much gone. So he stops at one of those little roadside shacks that, you know, doubles for a restaurant, and goes up and orders a couple tacos and a Coke, and looks around for a place to sit down, and he sees that there's one chair over here, just one chair, and goes and sits down, shares a table with an older man. They, talk some, they do some small talk a little bit, and have a little bit of conversation. Then, then he just goes ahead and blurts out the question that's been on his mind for so long. Is it, what is it? What is it about the people here? I, I don't understand. Can you just explain to me about the people here in this place? They, they seem so, I don't know, so content. That's it. That's it. It's content. What is it? What makes them so content? And what's the secret? The old man pushed back his weathered ball cap, smiled, lifted up one gnarled finger, and said, it's one thing. One thing, well, what is it? What is the one thing? And he says, awareness. Well, the young man, the young traveler, he let it roll around in his mind, but not for near long enough. Well, what do you mean? Awareness. Could you expand on that just a little bit? Could you just expand? What do you mean? And so then the old man said, awareness. <laughs> awareness. Awareness. He expanded on it, didn't he? He just stretched it out just a little bit, just a little bit. But that's not what we want. Just like the traveler, we want a bigger answer. We want a bigger answer than that. We want five keys to contentment, four secrets to success, three words that all begin with the same letter that'll profoundly, personally, and perfectly tell us what to do. That's what we want. We pour over our books and listen to our podcasts and have long conversations over coffee in search of secrets that are right before our eyes. They've been there since the beginning of time. But that's not what we want. It's too simple. We want something more robust, something more sophisticated, something more intricate, something new, different, maybe even flashy, something a little mysterious. That's what we want. In this sermon series, series still true? We're not really telling you anything new, are we? But that doesn't mean it's not revolutionary. I mean, think about this. These messages, God answers prayer. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus loves you. The Bible is God's Word. These are simple messages, but these are revolutionary. These are life-transforming messages. And I hope that today's talk 
will give you life as well. The truth today is we should thank God. We should thank God. I, I believe that, that a heart that is grateful is a heart that beats counter to our world, counter to our culture. You see, a person who walks, who lives daily thanking God is a person who's living in an awareness of God. They, they recognize that God ought to be thanked. They recognize that. The question was asked, was not the primal sin of Adam and Eve ingratitude? I mean, they had everything, right? Here they were. They, they, they were seemingly unaware of God's goodness. They couldn't find contentment in a perfect place, in a perfect relationship with a perfect God. They couldn't find that contentment, and that, and that lack of gratitude made them susceptible, susceptible to the, the selfish lust for something more. I believe that God is interested in the gratefulness of our hearts. He's interested in our gratitude. And if we walked in gratitude with God every day, it'll change our daily life. Remember that event in Luke 17? And Jesus was walking along and came towards the village, and there were 10 lepers who cried out to him from a distance, have mercy on us. And he did. He had mercy on them. And he told them, go see the priests. And as they were going to see the priests, they were cleansed. They were, they were healed. And then one came back to praise him, to thank him. And remember the question Jesus asked? Weren't there 10 of you guys? Where are the other nine? He's interested in our gratitude. Ignatius of Loyola wrote, wrote this, It seems to me in the light of the divine goodness that ingratitude is the most abominable of sins, and it should be detested in the sight of our Creator and, Creator and Lord, and by all of His creatures who are capable of enjoying His divine and everlasting glory. The opposite of thanking is complaining. <laughs> We're good at that. Complainers live in a constant state of self-induced stress. They complain about the unfairness of life. They complain about the insensitivity of their friend or their, their spouse. They complain about their job, their boss, their roommate, pause, their teachers, homework, sports. They complain about slow drivers in the fast lane, tailgaters, red lights, horn honkers, loud sneezers, open mouth eaters, chewing gum smackers, and soda slurpers. We complain about long lines at the store, high gas prices, fast food orders taking too long, and generally anything that could slightly be related to politics. Is it any wonder that complainers are less healthy and die earlier? They're stressing themselves into an early grave. St. Benedict, a, a devout Italian monk, uh, founded his own monastery, and he wrote his rules for monastic living. And in these rules, he considered grumbling a serious offense to the community life. In his rule for monasteries, he wrote that anyone who is caught grumbling, let him undergo a more severe discipline. One particular line that he had in his rules that, that I found interesting humorous was this in the response the most appropriate response to a malcontented monk who is creating discord in the monastic community is to quote let father abbot send two stout monks to explain the matter to him unquote <laughs> in other words complain in my house i'll give you a reason to complain i'm back to my story of the young man He's seeking this answer to contentment in life how can i find contentment that's a good question that's a great question. People have been asking that for a long time. Wouldn't the answer be much like the one that the old man shared? It's one thing. Awareness. Awareness of God. But far too often, we're too busy to be aware of all that surrounds us. We fill our schedules. We overcrowd our lives. We create an insane attachment to our phones and to, to gadgets and to the material things that we have that we, we think they're much more valuable than they really are. 
If we were just more aware, it would push us into thanksgiving. The Psalms talk about thanksgiving quite a bit. Psalm 21, 28, 30, 65, 66, 107, 116, just to name a few. Our primary text today comes from Psalm 136, and I'd like for you to open your Bibles there. I asked them to keep the lights up so we could actually see our scriptures today. And so if you'd open up your Bibles, go ahead and do that, because I'm going to talk from there and just want you to see um, and read along as I'm going. The psalm is sung by the congregation, so I'm going to need you to sing it along with me here in a little while. We're going to sing this song again. Well, okay, we don't know the tune, so we'll, we'll talk it, okay? We'll do our own, um, um, our own version of a spoken word. Yeah, that's what we'll do. Um, it's sung by the congregation. Before we read it, just let me give you a word or two of background. The psalm was evidently sung uh, and then followed by a response. The, the singer would chant the first line, and he'd be answered by a choir of Levites and priests, or sometimes by a choir of the entire congregation. The song was pronounced at the dedication of the temple in 2 Chronicles 7. It was also pronounced again at the laying of the foundation stone for the second tem- temple in, in Ezra 3. According to Ezra 2, there were over 42,000 plus, over 42,000 people who were there singing this out. And, and the scripture says that they sang it so loud, they chanted it so loud that people could hear it from far away. And so I'm telling you, when we sing this, we've got to sing it loud. That's the only way it's supposed to be done. You can't whisper this. You can't mumble this. It has to be sung loudly. Well, that's a bit of background. Now, let let me just tell you a bit of the content. The psalmist appears to give us four reasons we should thank God. First one, look look at this. He gives thanks because of who God is. In the first three verses, we're made aware that God is the God of gods. He is the Lord of lords. And then all the way down in the last verse, look at that, verse 26. He's the God of heaven. There's no one like him. There's no one else that is worthy to be thanked, worthy to be praised. Do you recognize God for who he is? I ask that question because sometimes I think that we don't. I know there are some people who don't. I mean, obviously those who don't believe God would fall into that category. G.K. Chesterton is credited with saying, the worst moment for an an atheist is when he or she feels grateful and there's no one to thank. (laughs) What what a beautiful day. Thank God. I can't do that. Thank science. (laughs) Thank me. Thank my lucky star. They got nothing. They got nothing. It's pretty safe to state that unbelievers aren't aware of God. We can agree with that. But what about believers? What about churchgoers? What about about us here at 1111 North Main, Joplin, Missouri? Do I walk through days at a time without acknowledging God? Are there hours, or even days, or even weeks, that I'm unaware of God's presence? Because He's omnipresent, we are always in His presence. We don't have to plead with God as we, as we begin to worship that, that he would allow us to enter into his presence. We're already there. We're with him. Instead, we just need to recognize his presence, recognize, be aware of God being the God of gods and the Lord of lords, and then thank him for who he is and that he's with us. The second thing, give thanks for the wonders of God. Look at verses 4 through 10. It's right there, 4 through 10. Look at it. Be aware of his creation, the heavens, the earth, the waters, the lights, the sun, the moon, the stars. All of creation is an act of God's love. I think you've stared at God's 
and God's wonders and, and seen them many times. But have you seen them as being an act of love from God? Oh man, when I go to the mountains, I can't help but see God. I can't help it. I'm made aware. If you've been to the oceans and stared out at the vastness of the oceans, you've, you've seen God. You've been aware of God. Let me put it that way. Or maybe just hiking through thick wooded forests or seeing the Grand Canyon or the painted deserts. Have you ever just left the lights of the city and, and, and gone out on a cloudless night and looked up at the stars and been aware of the immenseness of the Milky Way? Be aware of the wonders of God. They are evidences of His enduring love. Third thing, he says to give thanks for God's marvelous works. Verses 10 through 25, I just want to comb through there when I'm talking. Stop and be aware of how God worked in history. And, and the psalmist tells how God, God worked in their history. He delivered them from slavery in Egypt. He, he divided the Red Sea when they went through it. He led the people through the wilderness. He, he helped them to overcome one nation after another. He brought them into the land that he promised. Beware of how God has led you. Beware of how God has led your family, how he has led your grandparents, how he's led your, your, your entire ancestry to the place where you are right now. How over time, as small as you are in the grand scheme of history of mankind, God led you to this time and place, November 19th, 2019. A couple weeks ago, at our faculty staff lunch, Alex Follett reminded us of something. He said, you can't be thankful for that which you do not remember. Take time to remember. Write it down. Journal it out. Talk to people about it. Remember. Tell them how, how God, you have seen God working. Look back and remember to be grateful. I started a gratitude list in July. I was on vacation. Debbie and I were on vacation in Colorado. I started a gratitude list. And, and my list includes all kinds of things. The, the sound of a mountain stream, an elk whistling, a curious prairie dog, an orange Indian paintbrush. That's a wildflower for, for you flatlanders. Um, uh, that's a, uh, the, the blue sky, the crisp air that I can hardly breathe when I'm up in that kind of elevation. Just all kinds of things on my list. I'm thankful for the gift of sight. I'm thankful for my circle of trust, my, uh, my mentor group, sharing conversations and chicken nuggets each week. I'm thankful for a dorm full of daughters and the way they take care of each other. I'm thankful that God has allowed me to do student ministry with my life. I'm thankful for the hundreds of youth ministers and world changers and disciple makers that I know. I am thankful for rustic camps that become sacred places every summer where lives are changed for eternity. Oh, this is my commercial. If you don't know what you're doing this summer and you're looking for something, go talk to these people out here that, that would love to have you come work at their camps and be a part, a small part of helping change lives. I'm thankful that decades ago, Debbie brought, and God brought Debbie into my life. I'm thankful that, I'm thankful that she thought I was funny. <laughs> that helped. I'm thankful that she said yes when I asked her out. I'm thankful that she said yes again 18 months later when I asked her to marry me. <laughs> yep. I'm blessed. Thank you. Um, I'm thankful for my sons who serve Jesus. Especially thankful for the wonderful daughters-in-law they brought into our lives. I'm thankful for their children, our grandchildren. They bring me joy make me laugh and they give great hugs 
thankful for the gospel. Yeah. For God's plan to save sinners like me. <laughs> I'm thankful that God's mercies are new every morning, every day. I could go on and on. My list, uh, there's over 600 items. I could keep going. Um, and I, I just encourage you to do the same thing, just, just to, to make a gratitude list, to keep doing that. I'm going to go till I get 1,000. Maybe I'll keep going. But do that. I'll tell you one benefit. It'll lower your blood pressure. <laughs> it's a good thing to make a list of things that you're grateful for. But you know what? It wouldn't be right to be thankful for just the good. Um, yeah. You know what? Often it's the bad things in my life that have made me pray harder. That have pushed me to my knees. I've got to give thanks then for the troublemakers, for the conflicts, for the long work days, for the seasons of hardship, for serious health issues that have invaded our home. This life belongs to God. Not just the pretty days, but the ugly days too. Henry Nouwen wrote this, to be grateful for the good things that happen in our lives is easy. But to be grateful for all of our lives, the good as well as the bad, the moments of joy as well as the moments of sorrow, the successes as well as the failures, the rewards as well as the rejections, that requires hard work. Let's not be afraid to look at everything that has brought us to where we are now and trust that we will soon see in it, see in it the guiding hand of a loving God. Look back. Look back and see God's marvelous works. And then the fourth thing that I think that we learn here is to give thanks for his enduring love. You can't help but see that in the scripture. He says it over and over and over. Brennan Manning, author, priest, alcoholic, painfully honest fellow struggler, wrote this. Gratitude arises from the lived perception and acceptance that all of life is grace. As an undeserved and unearned gift from the Father's hand. Such recognition, such awareness is itself the work of grace. An acceptance of the gift is implicitly an acknowledgement of the giver. All of life is grace. I'd been looking at this text for a few weeks when I was awakened one night with this thought. I was awakened with what was not in the text. Look at it again in your Bible. Look closely. Look at what is not written there. Over and over, the singer tells God what he has done and of his greatness, and the choir repeats over and over the chorus, his love endures forever. But what has the choir done to deserve that steadfast love? Nothing. Nothing. The psalmist doesn't list anything they've done to deserve God's love. If he had, it would have been written more like this. We were rebellious. His love endures forever. We worshiped other gods. His love endures forever. We even melted our gold jewelry to shape a false god, a cow at that. His love endures forever. We doubted your leading. We, We complained and grumbled. We disobeyed your commands. We were an adulterous people. His love endures forever. I could go on and on about what's not in the psalm, but but, but this reminder from God would remain. He loves us and will always, always love us. But God, I failed again. I feel like I'll never be good enough. And God says, why do you doubt? 
My love is greater than your weakness. But God, I ignored you and I replaced your will with my own. Do you really think that I will stop loving you when you stop loving me? God, I'm afraid. I'm uncertain about my future. I don't know what to do. I will always be with you. I will never, ever leave you alone. It's the age-old story of a, a, a small child who's playing in a room that she's not supposed to go in. She's been told hundreds of times, don't go in there, don't play in there, and yet she went in there anyway. She knocked over a, a porcelain vase, a, a family heirloom, shattered to pieces. Panic, she tries desperately to put it all back together, but she can't. And in fear and sadness, she takes the pieces and into the room and gives them to her dad. Her dad takes the pieces and sets them aside. And lifts this little girl, lifts her chin to look in her eyes, wipes away the tears, and says, don't you know that I love you way more than I could ever love this base? I will always love you more than stuff. And I will always love you no matter the messes you make. This is God's love for mankind. That in our sin, he loved us enough to send his son to die for our sins so that we could become right before God. All of life is grace. Over and over, the choir repeats the refrain, your love endures forever. Why do they repeat it? Why do they keep saying it over and over? You know what? I think it's so they won't forget. They need to be reminded, you can't be thankful for that which you don't remember. Awareness awareness move beyond your myopic view that centers so much on self look beyond your infinitely small span of years that you have on this earth make yourself aware of the God of heaven the Lord of Lords the God of gods make yourself aware of his wonders make yourself aware of his marvelous works make yourself aware of his enduring love awareness all of life is grace all of life is a gift from God so finally let's sing this song I'm going to read the part of the leader. You guys are the congregation. I'll read the lines in, in, in yellow. You'll read the lines in, in white. But we've got to speak it as the people of God spoke it. We do. We have to speak it with, with heart and soul and volume. And to do that, we've got to stand up. So you're going to have to stand up with me here. Because we've got to sing this. We've got to sing this just as God would want it sung. Just as the, the, they sung it in, in the book of Ezra. With all that we've got. So follow along with me, will you? Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To Him alone who does great wonders. His love endures forever. Who by His understanding made the heavens. His love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. His love endures forever. Who made the great lights. Love endures forever. The sun to govern the day. His love endures forever. The moon and the stars to govern the night. His love endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven. 